Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the NXT 2.0 Halloween Havoc review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dadly Boys, Michael Hamplett from What Culture, to review everything that happened at Halloween Havoc. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review NXT 2.0, but also Raw, SmackDown, AW Dynamite, AW Rampage, pay-per-views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Hamlet to review Halloween Havoc. Apologies if the uh, sound is a little bit off on this one, I've been kicked out of my own goddamn podcast studio by the gaming podcast lads. If you like gaming podcasts, by the way, search for what culture gaming wherever you get your podcast from. But anyway, here we are, Hamlet, to review Halloween Havoc. A day late, we had a very big day of quiz filming. Lots of that to come on our YouTube channels in the next few days. That's why we were busy yesterday. But having had an extra 24 hours to let it sink in, what did you make of the show? Well, very slickly slid in a plug for the gaming podcast there under the guise of having to record in a different destination. And that's very much what NXT have done with Halloween Havoc. They've rather (laughs) slickly slid an old NXT thing into their new destination in the 2.0 dome. And I still don't really know what I made of this. It was a fun show, but we have fun with NXT 2.0 every week. This was fun at points because it was supposed to be. That was an odd sensation, wasn't it? There were <laughs> elements of this show that felt like they were designed to be good and not to be ridiculous and there to have the piss ripped out of them. And that was a rather unique sensation watching uh, this version of NXT, certainly. There were pretty significant problems, some of which were going to hit quite early on in this review. Um, so it was a long way from perfect. But in terms of, I guess, the first case of the developmental wrestler's big day out, because we might not be getting takeovers anymore. So I guess the best they're going to get is a stage like this once every, I don't know, eight to 12 weeks or something. Not a complete disaster. Mm. And the numbers that we've had, because we are recording this a day late and we've got a bit of information with which to gleam over objectively how this did, suggests that there might be something to this formula. An eight to 12 week cycle of just having these bunch of random characters do things might not require a takeover. They just might require our destination. I don't think the Halloween Havoc branding was particularly a part of the destination this time, but the destination felt important. Mm. Yeah, I enjoyed this show. Um, but if someone has been rather busy recently, let's say, Hamlet, with lots of, I don't know, just to suggest something, quizzes in their life and subsequent <laughs> rap party following that big quiz day and haven't had a chance to see the numbers. What numbers did it do, actually? I've no idea. Uh, well, they weren't pulling up trees or anything because it's NXT 2.0 and that's never going to happen now. But the viewership, this was from Showbuzz Daily, our old friends, which makes me pine for the days of the Wednesday Night War, just <laughs> saying the name out loud. Um, it said that they drew 746,000. Okay. Yeah, well, which is pretty great, yeah, to hear that number, up from 606,000 the prior week. So viewership saw a substantial boost. And in those all-important demos, which we continue to obviously hear as the the ultimate be-all and end-all, even though sometimes the figure is maybe not as sexy or as appealing as the viewership, they saw a 28.5% increase in the 18 to 49 demographic. Wow. So these are, like, legitimate... Success stories for a show that was built to, that was fairly heavily promoted, not just last week, but with matches and with characters that were kind of 
established in NXT 2.0's Big Bang. We had a big laugh and a joke at like, here's this guy, here's this woman, here's these people. You never heard of them? What have you not been watching properly? They've been around for ages. You should know everything about them. Here's the backstory. But within that seven or eight week period where we've been kind of forced to learn all about them, there's been enough that we've seen this version of an uptick. As I say, it's it's really hard to know at this point what would please USA Network because the the NXT they agreed to broadcast two years ago is not the NXT they've got today. No. So who knows what that deal will look like whenever it comes to being renewed. But just in terms of something that we can look at as a way to measure the objective success of the promotion of this show, I would say they've got to be quite happy with that. Mm, absolutely. Well, let's talk about the show itself then, because there was some major title changes and a real indication of the direction that NXT 2.0 is maybe going to go in, as we suggested on our preview the other day. We started on the show, as you mentioned, Hamper, with that tie-in with Chucky introducing us to the show, talking about how much he bloody loves Halloween, because that's when things get a little scar- scarier, darker, and violent, and that was going to happen tonight on NXT 2.0, Halloween Havoc. And uh, he runs through everything on the card. Things are going to get a lot more violent as part of that card as well. And then we start off with the Scareway to Hell ladder match for the NXT Women's Championship. Oh, this is a wild old affair, particularly in like early on. There was a lot of, you know, mad spots early on. Lots of people just getting twatted with ladders, all the stuff you'd usually expect from that sort of a match. I did like the bit where uh, I think it was Gigi Dolene and Zoe Stark were climbing a ladder. Uh, well, maybe, no, it wouldn't have been. Maybe it was one of one of Persia Prater and Indy Hartwell and possibly Zoe Stark climbing a ladder and JC Jane comes in and goes to kick away at the ladder and just breaks one of the little bits of metal that holds it all together. <laughs> and then when that doesn't work, she just went out of bollocks and shoves the whole thing over. Um, yeah, lots of brawling around on the floor, lots of people fighting up at the top of a ladder and then the ladder itself getting pushed over. Um, Zoe and JC Jane, they kick each other down. Indy and Persia go to double team EO, go to suplex her onto a ladder that's been set up on the outside, a little ladder bridge between the... Uh, announced table and the apron was set up as well uh, regardless EO reverses the suplex into a double DDT on the floor EO Shirai just shining in this match uh, she also followed that up with a nice baseball slide drop kick sending that ladder into toxic attraction um, Persia Prata came in she power bombed Gigi Dolene on a ladder uh, but then when she tries to do that to JC Jane she gets countered uh, she gets thrown onto a ladder by Shirai, who does a springboard moonsault, lion salt, whatever you want to call it, a mad flip onto one of the ladders. Stark then went up top. She hit a twisting splash. Didn't quite get all of it, but you could see what she was going for. Then she gets hit with a spine buster on the ladder by Indy Hartwell. Shirai shoves Hartwell off the ladder. She's about to grab the belts when all of a sudden the ladder is tipped over by Hartwell. And my word, what a spill Io Shirai took. She fell not only off the ladder, she fell out of the ring through the ladder that had been bridged on the outside. And we got the shocked face from Indy Hartwell. Me and Hamlet were actually talking about this in the office yesterday. And as much as that is an NXT staple of, oh my God, I can't believe what I've just done. It probably was realistic because Indy Hartwell thought, (laughs) I might have just killed one of the best female stars in all of WWE. So, Hartwell turns around, JC Jane's climbing up the ladder, she knocks her down, and as she's going up, Gigi Dolene goes up the other side, boots Hartwell off it, and grabs the belts for toxic attraction, or two-thirds of toxic attraction, to become your new women's tag champs. Hamfley, your thoughts? Well, like, predictably not great, this match, unfortunately. Um, not Not a particularly good ladder match in terms of having one coherent story that got us from one end to another. Um, Also not helped by WWE not having the joined up thinking to have them book a ladder match, similar to a spotty ladder match on Raw on Monday and then have another spotty ladder match on Tuesday when this one was filled with, with with a couple of exceptions with performers that haven't had half the reps in the ring, let alone in a ladder match scenario as the wrestlers we had on Raw. So that was an unfortunate basis for comparison. But realistically, just, and with no disrespect intended to the wrestlers who just worked quite literally their backs off for our entertainment, 
it was something that probably should have never happened in the first place. It exists because there is an obsession with ladder matches as a shortcut, as a quick win, to something that's going to get gift, to something that's going to get people talking. And it worked, but the thing people were talking about was Io Shirai's terrifying spill. Like, there hasn't been any major reports coming out about Io Shirai's status, so we assume that she'll be sore but recovering, as probably most wrestlers do every day when they've spent all day falling down. Got to spend some time with Simon Miller for whatever stuff for the YouTube channel. It was great to speak to him again about the reality of doing a part of your job that involves just falling on your back. And then you watch a match like this and you realise that they are attuned to being able to take a bit more pain and maybe we shouldn't worry. They're in there, they're professionals, they're on, they're wrestling for WWE, the market leader in this whole thing. So maybe we shouldn't worry on their behalf about going into the ladder match. That's what you think. And then you see the spot in this match, for example, and it wasn't the only one where Io Shirai pulled down JC Jane and slammed her and her head smashed that ladder so hard, Io Shirai looked panicked that she'd concussed her. Mm-hmm. And this was Io Shirai in the middle of the match. I looked like, oh my God, what have I done to it? And then it was on to the next one, on to the next one. And there was a series of spots where that kind of thing happened. There was another one. Was it the, I think you might've mentioned that actually, the undershot Phoenix splash mm-hmm. where Zoe Stark tried to obviously get back on her feet, but just fell forward and it looked rubbish. And you just think, oh, this is, none of this feels like a real match. Like the immersion is being broken constantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yet they're doing things that are riskier than normal to try and keep me invested. So sort of the, the worst case scenario of everything. So just not the smartest thing to book. Toxic Attraction winning was, I guess, well, I mean, you called it as well on our preview podcast. Um, we're going to be doing a lot of back slapping on this one, aren't we? Let's be honest. <laughs> but you're like, you, you kind of nailed this. Um, and fine. They might as well go with them. It's important to look at these NXT belts now more as trophies for developmental talents that the that you know Vince and Kevin, Bruce and Sean and whoever they're into them at the moment. So that's what this is. It's a participation medal for them more than it is a prestigious title anymore. Uh, but just people very very nearly got very seriously hurt. And what else yeah. could WWE have expected? Still looking forward to the Bruce Pritchard. Pointing with the new belt holders photo. <laughs> yeah, where's that? Social media. That? <laughs> we get next the, uh, the well, uh, the first of a multi-part story with Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams going to Dexter Loomis's haunted house to get the NXT North American Championship back. And uh, they're both in the car trying to psych each other up to go in there. Talks about how big the house is. Well, he is on that new, you know, Gargano money he's part of the family now and Trick Williams he's trying his best to get out of it there's a bit where they both go right let's go neither of them move Trick says maybe I should just stay in the car keep the car running but regardless they eventually convince themselves to go in there's a body in the yard they say well that can't be real and then of course it turns around and bloody howls at them and as they go on we see that it's Gargano and Loomis watching through some cameras and Gargano very giddily suggests he's home alone to this house and he's got help from a friend of theirs, the zombie refs back. Uh, several masked, terrifying creatures pop out and scare um, Hayes and uh, Gargano is watching, loving every second of this. Uh, they see someone who they think is Gargano, who they spin round and it's just a dead ass kid. Who then just to stop you really quickly there, knowing that Bruce Pritch directed this, and we'll get onto this in a second. I love that the person he wanted to have them think was Johnny Gargano was a child. Mm-hmm. That should tell you what the lads think of Johnny Gargano and his ilk at this point. Quite right, yeah, exactly. Uh, but they get waved in, they walk up to the door, and Trick's begging. He said, Look, oh, Carmelo, I'll just buy you a repli- replica. But Hayes says, No, I want I want the real thing. I want my belt back. And they go to knock on the door, which swings open before they touch it and they head in. Bit of funness. I enjoyed it. Can we like, if you, I mean, if it's okay with you, and it's probably going to mess your notes up, can we do all of this? Yeah. Okay. Let's continue. Yeah. Let's, let's do it all in one go. Um, because later on, I did like the bit where they're walking through the haunted house. And there's clearly one of those photos that's like, oh, a beautiful woman. But when you walk past, she's a terrifying running skeleton or whatever. <laughs> Trey Williams can care less. He goes, she fan. Love <laughs> that. Um, there is a creepy group of people who've got dinner or something sat around a table. They run past that. Uh, there's a witch 
shows up. She says, welcome to the ball. And there's a load of mannequins in like weird old dress. And then some of them aren't mannequins. They keep moving and the lads are running through it. And uh, <laughs> Carmelo says, there's someone chasing us. And then my new favourite character, well, second favourite character in NXT 2.0, pops up and says, did someone say Andre and Chase? <laughs> and they say what the hell are you doing here and he says oh, I brought some of my students for a field trip but I can't find them um, so they he joins their group and Gargano and Loomis head off to spook them a little bit more whilst the zombie ref stays on the cameras uh, they see Loomis in a reflection and they spin around and he's not there uh, they find a dead body zombies attack Carmelo Uh no, the zombies attack, sorry, Andre Chase. And then they split up Trick Williams and Carmelo Hayes. Loomis has grabbed Trick Williams. And eventually, uh, it's just completely wild, all this. They reunite Trick Williams, Carmelo Hayes. They think they found the title. It's got a bit of spider webs and stuff on it, but it's right there in this big case and it's lit up. And Trick says, it's just too easy to try and grab it. And... Uh, Carmelo says, you think that was easy? He grabs the title, they prepare to leave, but suddenly there is Dex Loomis and Johnny Gargano, and they eventually have to run outside, fight off zombies, and as they leave with the NXT Championship, uh, Loomis and Gargano are there. Gargano says, boo, they leg it, and Gargano just turns to his son-in-law and says, your house is kind of weird, next year we'll do it at my house. There's a thumbs up. And this whole wild shenanigan finishes there. What did you make of it all? Um, like, I, I really, really like that. I mean, I like Andre Chase anyway, but I like Andre Chase inserting himself into a situation because he believes he's heard somebody say Andre Chase. Mm-hmm. Like that continues to be a runner that I'm very much enjoying on NXT. Um, was it just me or was this a bit crap? We're going to talk about a prophecy being fulfilled later on in the show that you called, but I think this was very much the case of one of mine, which is to say that last year's Halloween Havoc was a breath of mucky air because the show was always so terrible and you needed the cobwebs and Shotzi just going full Halloween and the wheel and all the daft stuff. You really needed it because just NXT was so drab Mm. and Halloween used it up for the night. 2.0's saw Halloween every week, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Um, this didn't feel, to me at least, because the jokes were crap. Um, if you listen to our AW Dynamite review, wherever you get your podcast from, um, you'll find us talking about how, how tricky it is to measure comedy and wrestling yeah. in AW, kind of like, for me at least, mastered that in the main event. But like the jokes were pretty lame here. So it was all about how the whole thing looked and just how much everybody involved threw themselves into it. But that's sort of been the theme of 2.0. It's mm. just wrestlers in a dress-up shop. That's been this brand since it relaunched. And because the jokes were crap, I I thought most of this was pretty terrible, if I'm I honest. Think the thing was, I think the thing was, they went, right, we need to send someone to the haunted house. What's the reason for them going there? Mm. We'll just have him steal someone's title, but it can't be Roddy Strong's. All the others are being defended. Let's give it to let's do it with Carmelo Hayes. That could be fun with Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams. And then they got there and they went, right, but we can't do what we did with Cameron Grams because we don't want to make them look as stupid as he does because they might not be able to recover from it because that's not really in their character and they've just looked really cool in in what they've done in recent weeks. So they were sort of caught, you know, in their own web almost. <laughs> I like what you've done there. Hmm. I did find it interesting that obviously without um without Sonia Deville there. Uh, the zombie wasn't forced to pick the belt up. Whichever one, had, whichever one dropped it in this planned belt exchange, Sonia Deville wasn't there, so pick it up, pick it up. So about that twice in a week. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think there was a sort of, it was a bit directionless, this, wasn't it? Yeah. Like They've kind of, as you say, they've probably come up with something haunted housey. And like, we'll get to this with the kind of the guest host stuff later on as well. Um, whereas last year, it was so integral to the Halloween Havoc presentation the likes of the host and the Dexter Loomis Halloweeny stuff and the wheel and all of these things that still played a part this year. This year they felt forced rather mm. than complementary, and I think all of like these segments were just part of that. Yeah, I agree. Um, 
it was like they just went, well, we'll figure out what we do when we get there. We'll just get yeah. loads of extras and spooky people and do some jump scares. But there was just no substance to it all. Not at all. Yeah, nothing. And like, you know, speaking <laughs> speaking of no substance to it all, you book a match last week to determine a host. You dress that host up as a vampire. And Wilborn, who's the host? Yeah, that was immediately followed the first half of this segment. With Grayson Bloody Waller coming out in the Dracula gear. And I watched that and I went, oh, okay, so there's probably some COVID-y related reason why LA Knight's not here. You know what? I'll forgive this. And then I had to take that back later on. But here, Grayson Waller comes out. He's dressed as Dracula. He says, don't know what happened to LA Knight. But as he, ran, he was runner-up, I mean, he lost. It's not being a runner-up, is it? Let's be honest. <laughs> But regardless, he's here to save the show. He says the hottest party's happening backstage. And uh, because it's Halloween, the hottest women are wearing tiny little. And here is Joe Gacy to save us from ourselves. He gets on the mic, he hugs Grayson Water and says, well, corrupt minds like yours is why Halloween isn't a very inclusive holiday. It's a simple way to exploit people. He's here to send a much more positive message. He's here to face Malik Blade. And he's doing it all for us. And then Malik Blade drop kicks him before the match begins. We get the match, Joe Gacy versus Malik Blade. Before we talk about it, though, yeah, what's going on here? Well, I mean, I realise why they did it to set it up for the Joe Gacy interruption. But then, then LA Knight showed up later. I know we're jumping all over the place, but I'm so confused. WWE have made such an art form of not delivering on the stipulation that they've sold that when we do our previews now you need to in your brilliant diligent prep that you do for us you need to list the bullet points and the context of why these things are happening and then when you start the preview just like flick a switch in the back of our head that's labeled in opposite land (laughs) and we'll just talk about the opposite and we'll get it exactly right as to what's going to happen on the night it's descended beyond parody what was the thing on raw but it was like, we, we've only got one. All right, Hamflit, we've had a bit of fun taking the piss, but we have got one proper thing to, to discuss. It was tag match. Tag. It was RK was Bro it? versus Styles and Omos, and then they just didn't do that. One thing the promoter didn't occur, like they've made this their MO at this point. <laughs> he was at, LA Knight was in the building. Like he was Shows there. Like the Dracula gear, ready to work. And they were like, we got a better idea. Screw everybody. So much potential for Pat with LA Knight. And I realise that they want to push Grayson Waller, the thrill-seeking Golden Gloves, uh, top shagger or whatever he is. That's, that's what I was going to say as well. He's added, like, lasses to his thing. This, what's your thing? Lasses. This is your thing. <laughs> Please get me women and not bears. Please, women and not bears. It's women. I'm going to skip ahead again, because later on, he's in the <laughs> ring. He's just going, Please follow me on social media, which is always a, always a good thing. Always nice, you know, to hear people begging. We mention yeah. it, but we don't go, please follow us. And he's like, here's all my social medias. Out comes LA Knight to save the goddamn show. Calls him a discount version. Says, so you need to go back to the store. And uh, apparently LA Knight's had car trouble or whatever it is. And then Knight asks how he knows that he had car trouble. And he blames Chucky. And then out comes bloody Solo Sokoa. And he says, oh, it's not about us. Here he is. Look, we said he was going to make his debut. He's it's Solo Sokoa. So LA Knight just shoves him into it. Uh, Solo takes him down, belly to belly over the ropes. And then LA Knight gets out of there. What the, what the flip is going on? Flip is going on. Like, what was any of this? Um, what this was, ultimately, let's sort of, let's remember, let's remind ourselves what this was. What this was was NXT 2.0. It wasn't Halloween Havoc. It wasn't what you promised. It wasn't what was planned. It was what this show is week to week. Just people doing stuff in a building in Orlando. Um, Sola Sokoa looks sort of great, but is there a... This doesn't sound like a very, like, me take, knowing my own sort of tastes. Is there a point where there are maybe one too many massive jacked guys that truck people? Mm. No matter what kind of flavour of gimmick you give them, are we risking a bit? Like, we talked about this over the, the real desks yesterday, but an image did the rounds on Twitter where somebody was like, it was the Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly face-off, and there was mm. a bunch of security in between them to stop them fighting each other, and somebody was mourning, you know, oh, God, it's only been a few months, and I just miss this NXT so much. And then somebody else was wise to be like, hang on, 
every single one of them security guards is now on NXT 2.0 and they're awesome. Why was Triple H sitting on them? You had like the Creed brothers there. You had Bron Breaker there. Von Wagner was there. I mean, obviously Von Wagner was probably there to protect his best friend, Kyle O'Reilly. So he had a really... <laughs> all of these faces that we now know to be this wacky new cast of characters we've got. So maybe there, maybe there's just limitless room because they'll just keep like taking them. Maybe like the, as I've said, the performance center front door that we've sometimes seen in those network documentaries is just the door to the entranceway in the 2.0 dome. <laughs> like a stars in their eyes door. You walk in just in your gym gear and you tap out top and then you come out of the door. There's a load of smoke and you've got a gimmick and you don't know what it is, but that's your thing now. And maybe Solar Sokoa showed up for work in his tap out threads and then he just walks out and he's like, oh, cool, I'm this guy now. I'm Solar Sokoa. <laughs> I kick ass. So yeah, weird, hard to explain, hard to analyze. Um, they just they would argue that they delivered LA Knight host of Halloween Havoc by the virtue of this segment. Jesus. Give you what you wanted, what he's complaining about. Just baffled me, this whole thing. Uh, let's get back to the match though. Joe Gacy versus Malik Blade. Uh yeah, Joe Gacy's just wrecking Malik Blade, chucking him all over the place, and then there's, there's a, like another crossover with Halloween kills, I think. Whatever it is, we see someone coming in in overalls from backstage. So Malik gets knocked to the outside by Gacy after he's been, you know, batting him around the ring. And up gets Malik Blade, turns around, and there's Harland, <laughs> who grabs Malik Blade by the throat. That's not a DQ. Referee just goes, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Gacy tells him, you don't have to do this. So he just lets Blade get back in the ring or pushes him in there. Gacy ducks a clothesline, hits that knife. I love his finisher. Regardless of whatever you think about him, his finisher, that handspring back elbow or lariat or whatever you want to call it, yeah. is great. It's hits cool. it, gets the victory, and then jumps outside and puts his hand on Harlan's face and says, you can trust me. And they leave together. What? Wait a minute. Uh, Bruce Pritchard loves misusing keywords with Joe Gacy, doesn't he? Misusing mm-hmm. terms that he believes is associated with the culture he's trying to mock with Joe Gacy. And there's a certain like spring nature to the big clothesline. Could Joe Gacy's finisher be called the beta cook shot lariat? <laughs> just so he can continue to spew out a few of those words that he doesn't understand where he's just abusive to people because he hates the liberal left. I This was... Uh, what was strange about this... Um, more than anything, was that you were told, we talked about this in the preview, it felt weird previewing this compared to the typical 2.0 because this has been, this what we got is very much 2.0, isn't it? Couple of minutes, squash, you know one guy, you don't know the other guy, get in, get out, no damage done, finisher established. We weren't really expecting that on Halloween Havoc, so I was quite surprised to see it here. Would this match have occurred if Joe Gacy didn't need to come out and stop Grayson Waller talking about what the women backstage were dressed up as? Was this an impromptu thing or was it a booked thing? But like, other than that, nothing to add. Other than you're right, the finish is actually pretty good. Maybe, maybe there's a wrestler underneath this loathsome character, this creature that Bruce Pritchard has crafted. Maybe there's a wrestler under there. I don't know. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the." F- are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash switch. Forty five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. 
Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful too for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Right, we get a vignette next. Uh, they remember they've got the brilliant Kaylee Ray on their roster. Uh, she's pissed off. She does not fit on this at all. No, I thought this. I watched this and I thought, God, this is a great, you know, vignette. She's pissed off. She doesn't get the respect she deserves. Everyone's going to pay. Great stuff. It's time to rage. And I thought, cool, rage on the main roster because it's not going to be happening here. No, no. This uh, that we're going to get this for a while. There's going to be a long transition period as uh, as companies that are taking over companies would say. Yeah, we uh, we love. We do. We want all the staff to come together. You know, the uh, the Swindon lot, the little worms, to uh, to Paul, uh, to to Bruce, Paul Swindon lot, the little worms, they're rubbish. You're trying to eat them out as quick as possible. And Kaylee Ray, unfortunately, may go the way of uh, of some of the others. Love Kaylee Ray though. So I hope I hope they do good things with her. I, yeah, she's great. I I want wherever she finds herself, I want her to succeed. I'm a big fan. Mm. Uh, then we're backstage at the party. This was earlier on uh, with Grace and Waller before the LA night stuff. Grace and Waller's walking around, making sure everyone's having a good time. Ikum and Jiro and Kashira are confused. They're sceptical about Halloween. And he says, we're just dressing up. It's like cosplay. And they go, oh, we've got an idea. And they walk off and there's a there's a bit with Tony D'Angelo. Uh, and then the the women are there. And uh, Cameron Grimes walks up dressed as a bloody astronaut, which is inspired. Very nice. Uh, and then he goes to say a line, but I think he calls them extraterrestrials instead of angels, and they just walk off. And Waller goes, hey, I'm a top shagger, along with being a thrill seeker and a Golden Gloves guy. I can give you a hand, and they have a little bit of a pep talk. This was just too much backstage stuff for me. I had no idea where I was. We typically joke about this when it's uh, Ted DiBiase catching up with Kelly Kelly, don't we? But like WWE cannot do backstage parties and make them look appealing at all. They look like the worst time. And it only occurred to me when you were kind of doing the rundown there, because you know you see Cameron Grimes in the NASA gear, and straight away you go, "Oh, to the moon! That that's really cute." And I was like, "Is it to the moon, or is it rich arseholes want to go into space? <laughs> is, it, is it both of those things? Because that's like quite topical, isn't it? But like, if, that's if you almost got, too topical. You don't want to you don't want to give you don't want to give your money back to the world. You want to go to space for no reason." That's what you want to do with your cash. That's what you do with guys, your guys, we really need to protect the planet. We've only got one planet. And I know that from flying out into the fucking atmosphere, burning up so much fuel and resources to see it and then go, oh, wow, it is pretty a big place, isn't it? <laughs> Honestly, it's one of the most infuriating things for me. I hate yeah. it so much. Yes, me too. Me too. Um, so I didn't particularly love being reminded of it here. I, there was nothing... Why were people like, the other week, like... Oh, isn't it nice for William Shatner, though? No, it's stupid. I, do you know what that reminded me of? Do you know what William Shatner going into space reminded me of? I mean, he's an old man, and I understand that he's this charming figure worth gazillions, so it still counts as punching upwards, even if we're taking a piss out of William Shatner here. Right, like, charming because he's this old fella and he just looked genuinely moved to be having this experience. William Shatner going into space reminded me of Ross Kemp on gangs. It's just like... You were Grant on telly. You were like, well done for being really hard. And now we're sending you to like SES training. And these people that are trained to be literal killers, they have to deal with the most awful of circumstances, things that mere mortals cannot contend with. It's like, yeah, I, uh, I played a hard man in a pub in uh, East End Town on television. So um, uh, as you can understand, I'm joining some of the other hardest men in the world. They're in, they're in a war zone. What? Like, William Shatner is there because once he went onto a set that looked like space. So odd. I think, is it The Lonely Island? They did in a song all about going to Japan so that they could 
get so their thing was oh here we are in japan and then and then it was so they could shoot a video in japan it's like that isn't it are we, we're doing something wrong here. We need to we need to fix this up. We need to change this name to the WrestleMania podcast. And then we'll have to go to WrestleMania every year because it's the name of the podcast, lads. <laughs> it's like sort of Steve Austin in his trunks and his leather waistcoat calling himself the toughest son of a bitch at like the next UFC show. But <laughs> <laughs> in the cage then, I've got fist and fire here. Like, okay, I want to stomp a mud hole and walk it dry. Oh, my ankle's broken. <laughs> right let's get to another bit i actually did enjoy malcolm bivins he comes out he announces an open challenge and i think oh bloody hell here we go except it's a diamond mine open challenge you could get knocked out by ivy nile you could get your wig split by the creed brothers or you can get stomped out by roderick strong i just love the way he presented all this and honestly jones answered the open challenge and he wanted to face yeah, the cruiserweight champion, Roderick Strong. And <laughs> yeah, Bivin said, you're just over the weight limit a little bit. We'll have a non-title match instead, though. And they had an enjoyable match. Uh, Odyssey Jones and, uh, and you know, Roderick Strong told the story you'd expect. Odyssey Jones, big power game, hoying Roderick Strong all over the place when he can, powers him out, but... The technical prowess of just phenomenal talent that is Roderick Strong was showing it off. And the finish saw, it looked like Odyssey Jones might actually have the uh, Cruiserweight champion in a bit of trouble when, yes, what you'd expect happened. The Creed brothers jump up on the apron. Jones knocks them down, but that distraction allows Roderick Strong to recover. And I love the visual of this finish. He hits that jumping knee strike. And it's a giant tree falling in the ring. Odyssey Jones goes straight, like straight s- s- stiff as a board, and then just collapses to the floor. Strong covers him for the win. Lovely stuff. Yeah. I loved the strong knee, and I loved the Odyssey Jones uh, old-fashioned over-the-top shoulder breaker and how Roderick Strong bounced off his knee like on his shoulder. I thought that looked really, really cool. And otherwise, I hate to have to piss on your chips like this because um, I thought, or like, this was a mess. Uh, I didn't understand what I was watching here. Other, like, a couple of really visibly impressive physical feats from two wrestlers I like to watch. From a booking standpoint, I didn't get it. Um, so, Bivens, obviously, you know, the crack is there to be made where you're a little bit over the weight limit. But if that is the case, why doesn't he beat? Roderick Strong because there's no title on the line and mm. then kind of a statement of intent about what Odyssey Jones wants to do. Where does Odyssey Jones go after this? He's been beaten by a champion who's got a belt that he can't fight for and yes, it was through slightly ill-gotten means but what do they do next? Do they just feud over the belt that Odyssey Jones still can't fight for? Is it sort <laughs> of like, well, if I had you know, actually, I'm saying all this out loud now. Maybe the trick here is that Odyssey Jones goes and finds Ikmanjiro and a couple of other guys, and he's like, I need help. Uh, I need to fight the diamond mine. And he leads a charge on the diamond mine, and then the smaller guy that he brings with him fights for well, yeah. a strong title. And maybe maybe, maybe he gets Ikmanjiro. Oh, my God, Wilborn, I've just put it together. Maybe mm. he gets Ikmanjiro and MSK, and we have war games. Baby faces versus diamond mine. You've got Ikmanjiro, a target, Roderick Strong. You've got um, the Creeds and MSK that can spin off. And Odyssey Jones, ultimately, his real target is he wants to get his hands on that pesky Malcolm Bivins, mm-hmm. something like that, you know, and, and that's the that becomes a story. Maybe that's what they're trying to tell. Otherwise, I just couldn't see where they were going, and this felt like a fairly needless... So Odyssey Jones won a mini-programme with Andre Chase to lose here in something unannounced. Yeah, it was a bit wild and weird, yeah. and I think it's one of those things that I'll probably have forgotten about by next week. But like you say, it was one of those ones where... If you want to just have Roderick Strong win, either have an open challenge with the title on the line with someone that you can just have beat, or, yeah, have Odyssey Jones in a match and he beats So I suppose in their head, nothing's changed because Roderick Strong won. Odyssey Jones would have won, but there was interference, so it doesn't really count in their heads. How funny would uh, War Games be through the 2.0 Instagram filter? Like, uh, the cage is made of cake or something like that. Just, like, 
There's nothing you couldn't do with that thing. You can use any weapon, but only if it begins with Q. Like, <laughs> 2.0's letter of the day. They would they would do NXT 2.0 is the most um what was it called? King of the Mountain in TNA, where they were like, yeah. you're locked in a penalty box. You got to pin someone so you can climb the ladder. And to win, you've not got to grab the title. You've got to hang it up. <laughs> it's so bloody complicated. That's very 2.0 of them. The, the box has got a padlock on it, but the padlock's electrified. <laughs> Get out of it. Get out of it if you can. Uh, right. The next thing baffled me. So Imperium are backstage, yeah? And they're cutting a promo live as far as i'm aware on this show about you know talking to walter blah 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 we're imperial the mat's sacred and they had live subtitles somehow that just threw me so i didn't write any notes on this and i thought well i don't need to bother because they're not winning the titles so we'll see how that goes a little bit later on because we go back to the party donnie d'angelo's bribing last legend not a lot of time to talk about him unfortunately this week He's uh, getting on her show, so we're going to have some fun with that in a preview next week. There's the two best friends, Kyle O'Reilly and Bob <laughs> Wagner. And Kyle O'Reilly looks ridiculous. Got his glasses and his wig on. And Bob Wagner scummers. Bob Wagner. The only, <laughs> thing, the only thing that would have been funnier, right, in this is if he dressed as a heart. Okay. Von Wagner likes you, Kyle O'Reilly. You got heart. <laughs> anyway, he says he's coming to Brad Pitt, whatever. Oh, that was such a great tease. Duke Bloody Hudson, two of my favorites. Duke Bloody Hudson's chatting to Kevin Grimes. And he's asking Grimes if he's still got money. He says yes. Grimes agrees to go to his poker room next week. This is what I'm talking about, right? In this segment alone, Tony D'Angelo is going to go to see Lash Legend. And Cameron Grimes dressed as a spaceman, is going to go to Duke Bloody Hudson's poker room. Next week is more Halloween Havoc than Halloween Havoc. <laughs> weird and, guys dressed up going to the weird places. See you next week when NXT is back to normal. Yeah. And and then speaking, you talk about, you know, those big guys who wreck people. That's what we got from Zion Quinn here. Robert <laughs> Stones dressed as Elvis. He says he knows Kung Fu. He's pissed off that Quinn stepped on his shoes. And then Zion puts him to a table and says, another one bites the dust. What? <laughs> well, sorry, were you not aware that he's a queen aficionado? That Zion you... Queen loves to kill people and listen to Queen. They're going to rename him Zion Queen. <laughs> that, that, like, that Freddie Mercury stuff's going to stay. He's going to, when he's cutting, oh, when he's cutting a promo, his microphone's going to be on one of them sticks that Freddie Mercury stabbed. He's going to start, he's, uh, he's going to go, 2.0! And then the crowd has to go, oh! <laughs> I'm banking. I'm, you know what? I ain't got anything better in the chamber for next week's new gimmick game. I'm having that Zion Queen. Like you when I look at you. Men in black red button this podcast. Joe Gacy, when I look at you, you know what I see? I see a little silhouette of a man. <laughs> All then- we hear is Radio Gacy. <laughs> Right, imagine. Oh, Zion's on fire. He's a killer queen. <laughs> remember that for next week. I'm exhausted right now and I won't remember it. Please remind me of this on the preview next week. Uh, right, trick or street fight for the NXT Women's Championship. They span the wheel and they got Chucky's choice and Chucky picked it. It's Raquel Gonzalez versus Mandy Rose. <laughs> when did Raquel Gonzalez buy a motorbike? <laughs> she's this was bless it right this was like sort of oh yeah um i really need to fit in with this 2.0 aesthetic otherwise i might lose my title i'm gonna get uh nickelodeon slime game made and ride a bike <laughs> what could possibly go wrong so oh god i said this was coming guys massive load of weapon stuff to hide the deficiencies let's say in this match they use kendo sticks they do that spot where she shoves Gonzalez in a chair on the outside and traps her in it with a kendo stick and then kicks her over in the chair. <laughs> Loads of kendo shots in there, like I said. Uh, as Rose is reaching on the ring for more stuff, Gonzalez recovers. Rose turns around for some reason. Gonzalez has put a hockey mask on now, like Jason Voorhees. Sprays her with a fire extinguisher. 
Gonzalo starts battering Rose now, drops her face first onto chairs, sets up on the top turnbuckle, batters Rose, basically. Uh, she gets the ring steps, um, but Rose cuts her off uh, and sends her into it instead. Rose gets a near fall. She uh, then turns around and gets speared through a table for a near fall for Raquel Gonzalez. And then suddenly the mysterious Aussie figure that we've seen, she's an Aussie, it's the Aussie wrestler that we've not seen from her. <laughs> Pops up at ringside. She's got a shovel in her hand. She twats Gonzalez from behind with the shovel. Rose kicks her in the face, pins her. One, two, three. She is your new NXT Women's Champion. And the cloaked figure is revealed to be Dakota Kai. Now, let's put ourselves. Did I not say that Raquel Gonzalez was getting a shovel to the back? to award Mandy Rose the champion. Why didn't they do Buried Alive? Because then you wouldn't have had to pin Raquel Gonzalez, would you? She could have just fallen straight into her grave. There would have been no need for a pin. And otherwise, why has Dakota Kai got a shovel? Who's that, who's that pink-haired druid that speaks with a... She's like New Zealand accent or something. I, I don't know. Couldn't come possibly tell you. That doesn't fit any profile I can think of. <laughs> the Kaylee Ray? She from there. It's good somewhere. It's not America. It doesn't count. Um, <laughs> this... Finish was predictable. We predicted it. Yeah, yeah. Your prophecy was fulfilled. The toxic prophecy. That, like, I, love, I love saying toxic prophecy because it reminds me of one. It reminds me of just one of my all-time favorite podcasts of you pitching Mon Wagner as the fifth man in the undisputed era, and that visual I've got every time of them doing the pose, baby Wagner, like that. Like it's like toxic attraction have been together eight weeks or less, and they've got finally they have got the belts. They've climbed the mountain. It's taken like no time at all. <laughs> yeah. The tag team, they've already lost one tag match. Piece of piss. Toxic attraction, piece of piss. They're strolling through NXT 2.0. Yeah, the match wasn't great. Um, I feel a little bit sorry for Raquel Gonzalez because this title reign has been a bit of a bust, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, They pulled the trigger on the Dakota Kai story at the wrong time and it didn't feel what we were all hoping it would feel. Her matches have never, they've never been as great when she's been defending the title as they were in the build. And this often happens for champions that are being pushed. And it's a shame and it, it sometimes just doesn't work, but you have to try and see if it works. But I felt, and for, like, honestly, from the entrance, from the motorbike in particular, I wouldn't wish the main roster on my worst enemy most days. But that's where Raquel Gonzalez needs to go, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they've got to try it with that. I'm not saying necessarily from an in-ring point of view, she feels ready and I don't want her to be exposed, but they were very, very good in a tag team setting. At, um, like at basically just, I wouldn't even say it was the Paul Heyman thing of like extenuating the positives and hiding the negatives, but just within tag team matches, we've got such fond memories of Raquel Gonzalez just absolutely wrecking people. Mm. And none of that's been evident since she's won the title. So maybe you just need to find that again. Maybe she needs to just become a squash wrestler on mm. Raw, SmackDown until, until you kind of figure out how that you can have these long matches where she isn't like so exposed. What I'm pitching ultimately is a Raquel Gonzalez, Dakota Kai, loser leaves 2.0 match with a double pinfall. So they both have to go. <laughs> um because that's what we're getting the big payoff, aren't we, between these two? And you sense that it's got to be, it's got to be loser leaves, hasn't it? Just astonished. I'm genuinely astonished, mate. <laughs> that they're like oh, looking around NXT as it was. And they scan past Dakota Kine, uh, Raquel Gonzalez now. Aaliyah, you, that one there. What? <laughs> I love Aaliyah, and I'm sure she's gonna make it all bougie up on Bloody SmackDown or wherever she is. Well, Dakota Kai should be there. Dakota Kai is far better and she deserves so much more. And also, I should apologise for calling Dakota Kai an Aussie. I realise how much that would piss people off. I get angry when people say, I've got a Yorkshire accent when I'm from... Oh, Gap. yeah, of course. So that, it, I've learned from Flight of the Concords of the, uh, the almost Newcastle-Sunderland derby-style rivalry between New Zealand and Australia. I apologise profusely for saying she was an Aussie. That was a very big mistake of me. Uh, right, this was when we got the, the second half of the Haunted House and the LA Night arrival. And then... We got MSK versus Imperium in a lumberjack lantern match. You laugh, Wilborn. You laugh, right? I'm a man that loves a pun. And I'm a man that likes a logical stipulation. So give, lay off this brand. You're always the critical one on these podcasts. And I have to bring you a bit of sunshine <laughs> and light to thing. Lay off. Because by surrounding the ring with wrestlers, it meant that they could do very dangerous spots 
and be caught by those wrestlers safely. Okay? So lay off them, because that was why they put those men there. That, cynicism. that and so they could have Ikaminjiro and Gashida dress as the Creed brothers and also have the Creed brothers there, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that as well. <laughs> That's what this is what we're getting. We're getting diamond ride. I can't wait for war games in 2.0. All of this is becoming ever clearer. It's happening. So um Imperium gets sent to the outside. They stop brawling with the lumberjacks. So MSK do some great dives to the outside. They're running wild. Eichner cuts them off though, and I love that spot. And fair play to him. He struggled with it, but he got it in the end. And I mean, I couldn't even think about doing that spot where he picks up both of them for a rolling, rolling sort of fireman's carry slam, whatever you want to call it. I thought it was spectacular that um, Wesley flick dives over the ropes onto all the lumberjacks and then uh, Carter hits a cutter off the top rope on Bartell onto the rest of the bodies that are out there. Missed Marcel- them all. Missed them all. Yeah. Nobody got him. Nope. Terrifying bump. Marcel Bartel ate a Canadian destroyer. They did that brilliant standing moonsault thing of MSK, but Bartel just kicks out and then Imperium recover, hit a load of double team moves. Brainbuster sets up an Imperium bomb and they hit it and it suddenly occurs to me, oh my God, this is happening. One, two, three. Imperium are your new NXT, I'm going to say the full thing, 2.0 tag team champions. What? I thought I was too old to be scared at Halloween and this result proved me wrong because I'm absolutely terrified of the future. <laughs> I'll say this, right? I thought the Imperium match last week was really good. The best in recent memory. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe they found form at just the right time and maybe they've won the tag belts at the right time. I did not see this coming. MSK were a 2.0 flavoured act before 2.0 existed. Mm. By that, I mean they were a splash of colour in, in the dark CWC world. And we thought they would be perfect for this because they were already 2.0 ready they have nonetheless felt a touch out of place mm. on this and i cannot figure out why that is I, I don't know what it i don't know if it's just that the um the axis of evil of vince and bruce and <laughs> kevin and the like I, I, they don't get them maybe possibly i could certainly see them not getting them for a number of reasons but it just hasn't felt like they've really been able to creatively click with them um so, like, I wasn't as surprised by this result as the match wore on, but I I don't know. I just, it wasn't very good. I didn't think the match was very good. I don't think the Lumberjacks made a particularly great account of themselves because there were a couple of times where the wrestlers just went splat on the floor mm-hmm. and trying to be caught. They kind of just disappeared by the end. So, you had this, like, regular match. <laughs> where are you going? Um, so, I don't know. I thought this was a little bit of a, not for the first time on the show, I thought this was a bit of a mess. Mm, no, I completely agree. And I just, Baffled that MSK aren't still the tag champs. And then we get to the main event. It's time for the main event, in the words of Mark Henry. Bron Breaker challenging Tommaso Champ for that NXT championship. Uh, also, I forgot to mention earlier on, there was a spot with Bron Breaker and Chucky and uh, back and forth about his dad. And LTST was... All over social media off the back of that. Ooh, long-term storytelling. (laughs) (laughs) Regardless, um, Champa came out dressed as... Wait, he was the same one that Thingy was dressed as, wasn't he? On uh, Kratos, God of War. Him and Stu Grayson. You know, Jim Ross, by the way, we didn't talk about this in the Dynamite review. He did one of them things again where he just comes up with somebody else that has that name. Stu, don't call me Dick Grayson. Dick Grayson as in from Batman, which nobody has ever called Stu Grayson ever. Like, Jim, don't call me Ross from Friends Ross. <laughs> Never happened, Jim, ever. I, I, it was just funny how annoyed he was with proton packs. Proton packs, protein Milk. He, he hated that, didn't he? Yeah, he was not a fan of it. Sorry, yeah, but I, Chucky and uh, I, Champ was dressed in that same. I, I don't, I'm sorry, people listening, I don't know what it is. I was just like, oh, he's a Viking, that's a bit weird. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> I don't know what it was. I'm sure God it was like war. a really I've never played it, but Scott Telford told me that was God of War stuff, so there we right, go. So if this was a pay-per-view, and I was writing like an, an article on the outfit, somebody very kind on Twitter would have filled me in, I'd be like, Side by side of the picture, look how awesome this is. I wasn't doing that. I was watching the show and being like, hey, "Why you got a dick on your face, like Samoa Joe used to?" I, I was a bit put off by it, to be honest. You know, when Cedric said he was kind of like he reduced the first punk match by half a star because he couldn't stop looking at his trousers. Yeah, 
you got Jabba, you got a war them as well, didn't he? Again, was he idiot? Humpy, you've got some uh, on your face there, mate. No, up a bit, up a bit. Uh, you missed it. It's fine. Just leave it. So uh, the... it was on his head. That's why. Yeah. It wasn't just his face. It was his head. Early on, anyway, in this match, uh, Bron Breaker shows off his power game against Tommaso Ciampa, but Ciampa soon shows, easy for me to say, his wrestling nous, uh, cuts him off, works him over, stretches him, all that sort of thing. Uh, Breaker comes back with a Rick Steiner-esque power slam. Don't know why on earth he'd pull out a move like that with a name like Breaker. Anyway, <laughs> we go out to the floor. Uh, there's... Uh, things get exposed uh the floor the concrete he wants to suplex breaker onto it but breaker blocks it blocks it and then said suplex as champa on the floor again flurries of offense from brom breaker whole load of power moves uh as they get him back in champa hits him with a willow's bell but then breaker fights back and hits a bloody frankensteiner in amongst all this it's a bit where he went off the second rope and slips and it was a bit messy all that but regardless it was power moves versus technical expertise basically here they spill to the outside and again they're fighting around that bit of the floor that's been exposed and champa ddt's brown breaker onto the exposed floor he comes up all bloody and you think well that's enough to put any man down he gets in champa hits him with a fairy tale ending there we go one two no brown breaker kicks out at two and a half is there anything that can stop this man yes Chamber just knees him several times in the head, hits him with another fairy tale ending. This time he gets a three count, and just by the skin of his teeth, Chamber retains the NXT Championship and escapes away from Bron Breaker, who, yeah, needs something like that to put him down. That was the story I took from it, Hamflo. Yeah, I agree with that. I, um, I don't know if I've been over generous or not, but I'd, I'd rather quite enjoyed this. Yeah. As the man- from all of the build-up and all of what you imagined in your head about Bron Breaker winning the belt, wrestling has a funny way of doing this sometimes. You know, sometimes when a match just starts and there's like an intangible and there's a feeling of you, like you've watched enough of this to just sort of think, ah, it's not his night, is it? Mm. It's not, not quite going to be his night tonight. And often you, and you know, that's sometimes why I, I do have a bit of sympathy with people booking wrestling shows. It's sometimes you don't know until you see it. You can manifest all this sort of thing and then you put them together out there and like Braun Breaker's had like six matches ever or something daft like that. So there's a very good reason why he might suddenly not look ready to hold a major title when he's out there doing it. But the way they'd pushed him, they'd at least fooled all of us into thinking that he might be that guy. And then you're out there in the ring and you're like, ah, oh, actually, maybe, maybe not. Maybe not tonight. And because I had that mindset, pretty, like the first minute maybe, just for whatever reason, maybe even the way they were both just working that first headlock, I just had this gut feeling that it wasn't going to be Breaker's night. I kind of enjoyed the match a great deal more because mm. instead of that feeling of Breaker's going to get the... Instead of it being like a carrying cross debut against Tommaso Ciampa, which we thought it might be where like he just overwhelms him and Tommaso Ciampa isn't ready for what this like massive new challenger has got to offer, it was very much a... This turned out to be the story of a Tommaso Ciampa title defence. Mm. And I don't think any of us saw that coming. And I really quite enjoyed that. I liked watching, watching Tommaso Ciampa be a general. Really, really helped carry quite a limited guy through a big night and not... I don't think this exposed Bron Breaker. No. I, I don't think this made a fool of him at all for a guy that's had so few matches. I don't think this was a, a disaster by any means. I think he made a reasonably good accountant for himself. I think the finish was super committed, which I just mm-hmm. love to see from any WWE product. I like to see when a guy is beaten even if it means that the like in this case Tommaso Ciampa has had to go to the well with extra moves to get it done this is how you beat a guy isn't it we mm-hmm. talk about this with AEW all the time this is how you beat somebody this was as conclusive as it needed to be but we know Bron Break is tough as nails and his time will come again and as long as they continue to get him like keep him on the right path which I think we both speculated could be a heel turn maybe Mm-hmm. where he becomes far more threatening as a heel. Maybe he looks and he sees that the one weakness in his game was that perhaps he was a bit too nice. Perhaps he was a little bit too respectful. And it's time to take that violence that's within him. It's in his blood. He's a Steiner. That violence that's within him and start taking it out on people. And mm-hmm. that's how he takes Champ a second time around. Like, I, I, I can't do backflips over the quality of the match, but I think Champ put in a hell of a shift and Bron Breaker was far from embarrassed by this. No, exactly. I think... 
it could have been better, but it could have also been a lot worse. Yeah. And I did like the story they told. And if you're not going to put the title on Breaker, which I understand you don't want to do too soon, I wouldn't be surprised if he wins it by the end of the year even. But in the interim, I'm not going to look back and go, well, why is Bron Breaker getting another shot? Because, yeah, he looked great. He looked powerful. He was overpowering the champion in large parts of this match. He wasn't you know, very clean, but that also can be worked into the story somewhat. Mm -hmm. And in the end, he got put down by being dropped headfirst on the concrete and still <laughs> nearly survived that as well. So I think they they did very well. If they decided that they weren't going to put the title on him, this is one of the best ways they can showcase him without giving him the title, in my opinion. But there we have it. Halloween Havoc 2021. Lord knows what they're going to do for this next year. But let us know your thoughts on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Why actually you can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Hamlet at Michael Hamlet. You can follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. You can already go on there right now and listen to our review of AEW Dynamite from this week. And we'll be back tomorrow to preview AEW Rampage and, of course, Friday Night Smackdown tomorrow, as well as Wrestle Culture with a hashtag bloody good quiz. But for now, this has been the NXT 2.0 review. My thanks to Michael Hamlet. Thank you for joining us. And we... We'll see you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.